0: We've done a couple messages already, and the series is on discipleship. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a mature Christian? Now, remember, our mission here at the church is that we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. Because we believe from Scripture that it's super important, and that as people find and follow Him, they uh, understand what life is about, they fulfill their purpose, and of course... Their sins are forgiven, they're made one with the Father, and they're going to spend eternity with them. So some important reasons for why we do what we do. Now, helping people find Jesus is introduction, but helping them follow is discipleship. So once you have accepted Christ, you say, hey, I do want to serve Christ, I get this. Then you have a time of growing and maturing. And that is discipleship. To follow the precepts of the Lord, to be taught, to be disciplined. And again, disciplined, we're not talking this. That discipline is not meaning you got disciplined because you did something wrong. That's discipline of you disciplined yourself because you're asked to, to perform what you need to do. And the best picture for that discipline would be sports. Somebody who plays sports and wants to be amazing at it, they discipline themselves. In other words, they make the choice to get up at this time every day and do this workout or that workout. For hockey players, back when they used to have hockey where people could go, they they would get up at five in the morning, go out, do hockey practice, then go to school. So, okay, that's the type of discipline uh, when we're talking about discipleship. Now, at Abundant Life Worship Center, we have three main things that we feel are important in discipleship that help you to mature and grow in your faith. And those three things are a weekend service, which of course is what we're at right here. That's the large group that is open to everybody, the public, anybody in the community could come and hear about Christ here and see what we do, okay? Again, there's a whole message on that. I won't go into it. Second thing I see that's super important for your faith to grow is being part of a life group. You see, that's the close connection. That's the place where there's accountability. That's the place where you can ask those hard questions and you can back and forth have answers and prayer for specific things that, boy, you didn't get time to tell anybody here at the big service because there's too many of us. But at your life group, you connect and you grow, okay? And there's a whole message on that as well, so I won't go into it. And the third thing that I see that really actually shows maturity in a Christian is the ability to serve. And uh, we talked about serving last week, and this week we are actually going to do part two of serving. So we're going to talk about serving again this week. Why is it important? What does God's word have to say about it? And what does it mean for you and I? So serving is what we're looking at today. Everybody say serve. Okay, that's a good word. Just like I mentioned last week, work is not a four-letter word. Well, it is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad four-letter word. Serve is also one of those words. It's a good one. You know, sometimes we culturally have a feeling with certain words that we don't like. Serve should not give you a feeling you don't like. It should excite you as a Christian. All right? All right. Last week, we talked about how important serving was, and I mentioned that serving isn't just something we do, but we are actually called servants of the Lord. So it is important for you and I to be understanding and knowing what our gift is, what our role is in serving Him. So I'm going to start this week right where we left off last week. And before I get to my first verse, I do want to say this. Uh, some of the scripture that I'm going to be reading, uh, you might feel that the verse is a bit harsh. I just wanted to say it is not my fault I did not write this book, okay? I'm just going to leave that there. However, I want you to get the context of where we're reading, and uh, the verses, a number of that I'm going to read are actually Jesus talking to his followers. And today, I'm actually going to talk briefly a little bit about end times because a number of our verses are going to come from Matthew chapter 24 and 25. So let me read our first portion and then we'll do some more explaining. So Matthew 25 and verse 20. And Jesus is talking here about the kingdom of heaven is like, and he says, like a Lord who leaves and gives his possessions to his servants and they're supposed to do something with it verse 20 the servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said master you gave me five bags of silver to invest I have earned five more the master was full of praise well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful in handling this small amount now I will give you more many more responsibilities let's celebrate together The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth and look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. By the way, the word lazy is also a four-letter word. That's a bad one, if anybody's wondering, okay. Keep going. 28, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that's kind of an ouch scripture. And you might even think, boy, that seems a little hard. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. Now, let me give you the context of this because it is important. You see, just before Jesus began this teaching, which the teaching goes from Matthew 24 and it goes right into 25. If you have a red-letter Bible, you'll see that. But right before he began this teaching, the disciples were with Jesus and they're looking at Jerusalem. They're seeing the temple and they're saying, this is so amazing. And Jesus prophetically says to them, the day's coming when there won't be one stone on top of another. In other words, it'll be completely destroyed what you're seeing. And they're all like, what? You know, we were having a moment of, isn't this amazing, Jesus? Look how great our city is. And he says that. And... Then the disciples ask him three questions. Okay? Three questions, three important questions. And I'm going to read that in Matthew 24 and verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be? Question one. In other words, when will Jerusalem be destroyed? Because they just kind of had that conversation. That's question one. Question two. What will be the sign of your coming? That's number two. And question three what when is the end of the world? So they ask those three questions to him. And in chapter 24 and 25, he answers all three. Some of the answers flow into each other. And because of this, we sometimes have confusion in prophecy or end time teaching. Uh, I don't consider myself a prophet, and I don't do a lot of end time preaching but today as we talk about serving especially from these chapters well you can't really get away from it because Jesus was talking to them about end time stuff okay so the first point i want to make and i touched on it briefly last week is hiding out is not an end time principle what do i mean always i've been a christian for many years and i've studied different things and whenever there is a conflict or a scary thing happening or world problems, often people will be like, this must be the end times and it seems like their first thought is we need to hide out. Where does that faulty end time principle come from? From Jesus talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Because he very specifically says in chapter 24, uh, when you see the abomination of desolation around Jerusalem, they're surrounding it Flee to the mountains. He was talking about Jerusalem to be destroyed, and it happened just like that. Okay? But fleeing and hiding is not an end-time principle. It was for them for the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, similar all through history, there have been times when there was destruction coming to areas, and God would warn people, hey, this area is going to be destroyed. You need to go. You can read testimonies about that, but it is not an end-time principle you say, well, how do you know that? Here's what I know, and here's maybe what I don't know. Prophecy and end time stuff can be confusing. People have different opinions and ideas. There's been arguments through the church world about when Jesus is coming. Is it beginning, middle, after? You know, here's the thing you need to remember. You don't know. Because it's not made 100% clear for a reason. In prophecy, it says they see us through a glass darkly. God gives them some ideas so that they're not like, oh my goodness, what's happening? I, I can't believe it. Oh yeah, God's word talked about something like this. Okay, so we can trust him and we can know that he's got a plan. So, something you will know forever, prophecy can be confusing. But there is something about this that is completely not confusing and that is what we are supposed to do. Okay, there is confusion in how and when, but there is no confusion in what you and I are supposed to do. Zero. Jesus spent a little bit of time in Matthew 24 talking about some crazy things that were going to happen, and then he spent detailed time in Matthew 25 saying, here's what you need to do, guys. So this portion of Scripture I just read you, he was talking to them about what they should be doing in end times. We often disconnect that portion of scripture from that. And what has he said that they should do? He is telling them, I'm going, I'm going to leave my kingdom stuff. I'm expecting you to expand my kingdom. Till I return. Did you catch that? Nowhere was it expand my kingdom to hide out for a little while. Expand my kingdom until I return. Return. And when he returns, then he says, well done, good and faithful servant, to those that continued and expanded his kingdom till he came. So whatever he's given you, you use for his kingdom until he returns. I, I kind of focused on this a little bit because I've seen it too many times in my life and actually had the opportunity one time to go to the Yukon. It was a number of years ago when we met. An amazing group of people while we were up there, they joined in with some of our meetings. And through discussion, I found out that the entire group of people had moved from the States to the Yukon 20 years previously because they were in a church where suddenly somebody was prophesying that it was end times and the world was going to be destroyed, so you need to go to a safe place and hide out. Now they realized, of course, it didn't happen. And then they were doing their best to now spread the gospel where they were. God turned it for good. However, they found out, hey, that's not an end-time principle. You're to be a light in serving him no matter what. Yeah, but what if it gets tough, shouldn't it? The disciples didn't. Some of them were killed for their faith. Why? Because they continued no matter what. So I'm just going to encourage you in that. If, you know, I hit my head on a rock, and next week I'm telling you we got to make a little colony and all go hide out, You know, get rid of me, okay, and continue serving God. (laughs) I'm serious. We need to serve him. All right. So we need to serve him with the job that he's given us faithfully. All right, so I'm going to give you some things from Matthew 25. There is no confusion in this, not one bit. We need to serve him with the job he's given us. I'm actually going to back up a little bit and get the end of Matthew chapter 24. So Matthew 24, 42. Again, he's told them all this scary stuff. And then he says, this is why you must stay alert. Because no one knows the day your Lord will come. But realize this, if a homeowner had known what time of night the burglar would come to rob his house, he would have been alert and ready. And not let his house be robbed. So always be ready, alert, and prepared. Because at an hour when you're not expecting him, the Son of Man will come. What would qualify a servant to manage his master's house? He would be a wise servant who is both faithful and dependable. The master would commission him to oversee others, for he would lead them well and give them food at the right time. What joy and blessing will come to that faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence. I can promise you the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all that he owns. Okay, now, but the evil servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming and who knows when he will return. Because of the delay, the servant mistreats those in his master's household. Instead of caring for the ones he was appointed to serve, he abuses other servants, he begins to party with the drunkards. Let me tell you what will happen to him. His master will suddenly return unexpectedly and will remove the abusive, selfish servant from his position of trust. And the master will cut him in two Oh, that's a little rough. And a sign of his place of great sorrow and anguish along with all the other hypocrites. That's really rough. And Jesus is telling him this right after he talked about end times. What is he saying? No matter what, you guys, do what I've given you to do. Even if it takes longer than you think, do what I've given you to do. Do it. Do it. So, Faithfully doing what he's asked, even in difficult times, is what we're called to do as servants. Serve him by being prepared and diligent. Matthew 25, 1 to 5. So we're kind of moving along through these chapters. He says, The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So it's before a wedding, they're waiting because in that period they would wait and then the groom would finally come. In our day and culture, uh, everybody gets ready, and then we wait for the bride to finally come into the building. Uh, I'm just saying that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Serve him by being prepared and diligent. We're talking about the bridesmaids. Verse 2, five of them were foolish, five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Okay, the story continues. The bridegroom comes, he calls. The ones who were prepared for it to take some time were ready, and they went in to the bridal party. But the ones who weren't prepared and thought, hey, we're just in this for a short time, they went away to look for oil, and the door was shut. Again, you might say, what a hard story. Hey, when you say, I'm going to serve Christ, I do want to do this, then be prepared to do it for the rest of your life. This is not a short-term commitment you're making, okay? Saying yes to Christ is a long-term commitment. Got that? Long-term. It's worth it, trust me. But it is a long-term commitment. Do you know that? You know, sometimes when we're asking people, hey, do you want to accept Christ? Christ. Maybe we're making it sound too cushy. Maybe we're like, oh, it's wonderful. All your dreams will come true. And then the next week when everything goes rough for them, they're like, the pastor lied to me. None of my dreams have come true. But hey, he's got some amazing things for you. But are you in this, are you committed long-term? Matthew 24, 13 says it this way, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The word endurance and endure is something you need to be willing to do. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I'm giving you some end time stuff here. Serve him. Serve him for the long haul. Continue doing what you've been called to do, even in difficult times. And get together. Now you guys know that, or you wouldn't be here. Getting together is a scriptural thing for the end times. Imagine that connecting, being part of something that God wants you to do, and of course, not quitting. You know, there's a verse in scripture that says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It's in Hebrews. Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, he says, so run with patience the race that he set before you. In other words, finish it. And that picture of how the writer is speaking there in Hebrews is the idea of a stadium full of people at a sports event cheering you on. And they're cheering you on. And guess what? You need to finish. You see, those who have gone before us are in a heavenly place. And according to this word in Hebrews, they are cheering for you. They're saying, don't quit. Woo, you got this. The Best sports event you've probably ever watched or been to are the ones that are the most difficult for your team and somehow they overcome and they win and you're all, oh, my team won. But they are cheering for you and I. The heavenly hosts are cheering for you and I. And they're cheering and saying, you got this, don't quit, woo. I don't know what your serving gift is, what God has put in you, but you are not alone. You know, the things in the spirit are more real than the natural, but because we don't see them with our eyes, we sometimes forget they're happening. There is a heavenly host cheering your name. Don't quit. Don't quit. There is a heavenly host cheering for you. And you're saying, well, I don't know, what do I do? You know what? You may be serving him in the job he's put you in because you're a light and you stand for truth and you make an effect, you have influence on people. Okay, so there is a heavenly host doing that. When you have those days when it feels like, I'm the only one and nobody cares, and the devil tries to tell you, oh, just quit. Nobody even notices. Tell the devil, shut up. I got a whole heavenly host cheering my name right now. And you don't quit. That's for you too. Don't quit. They're cheering. And yes, they're cheering your name. Now, I want you to remember... There's a heavenly host cheering like that for you. Okay, in those moments when you feel like nobody cares and nobody's cheering you on, remember they're cheering you on. Okay, let's keep moving. We need to serve him, especially in the end times, by expanding his kingdom. And of course, my first portion of scripture showed you that already. But let me give you one more end time scripture about his kingdom expanding. And that's in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. And 35. And just before I start reading, what has happened here is the king who basically ruled the world at that time had a dream. And the dream was about kingdoms ruling the world right until the very end of time. Okay? And the king saw this massive statue. It had a head of gold. It had its arms and breasts with silver, and then it had bronze, then legs of iron, and then Uh, toes of iron and clay and each of them was a kingdom that would rule the world and the first kingdom was his and at the end of it there is a stone that comes and that's when i'm going to start reading in verse 34 so daniel interprets this dream and it's about prophecy and kingdoms that ruled right to the end of time as you watched Daniel tells him, a rock was cut out from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron and clay, bronze, silver, and gold. The wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on the threshing floor, but the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. And you can go read in Daniel, and you will see that that rock was God's kingdom. That rock, if you will, was Jesus Christ when he would come to earth and his kingdom would begin. That kingdom is not a weak kingdom that disappears or barely makes it through. That kingdom endures forever. Now, yes, that kingdom is different than what we know as worldly kingdoms, but Can I say his kingdom will continue to expand until the day he returns? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. You see, his kingdom purpose will be fulfilled and it must continue right until the end. You and I should be sharing his gospel message right until the end. Nowhere in these scriptures are you seeing you should hide out and fight for yourself. It's not a scriptural principle. Okay. It's okay. Nobody feel bad. You're not hiding out. You wouldn't be here if you were hiding out. So just, this is not against you. You guys are awesome. But I want this to stick because often we make decisions out of fear Or slightly, you know, misinterpreted ideas that just kind of got passed to us down the generations. Or sometimes we make decisions out of anger. Don't make decisions in that way, okay? Make decisions being led by the Holy Spirit, understanding that no matter what, He loves me, He's got me. No matter what, I'm going to serve Him. And finally, I want to begin to wrap up here with one more important area of serving that he gives us. Serve him, final thing I want to say, we need to serve him by serving others. And this is something you got to never forget because often when people are fearful, become selfish, this is the thing that gets forgotten first, serving others. Again, Matthew 25, I told you, I'm giving you some of these. These were all Jesus talking about end time stuff and what we should do. Again, no confusion in what we should do. Matthew 25, 31 to 36. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. and you visited me. And as you read on in the story, those people said, well, God, we didn't actually see you. And he says, but if you did it to the least of these, it's the same as doing it to me. And then he separates and says to the goats, you didn't do any of those things. And they say, but we didn't see you. If it was you, we would have done it. And he said, well, not doing it to the least was the same as not doing it to me. Interestingly, Jesus has placed this teaching while he was talking about end times and fearful things. Can I encourage you, church? Don't stop serving him and don't stop serving others. It is what we're called to, it's what we're about. We are called servants of the Most High God, servants of Christ. What is the gift he's put in you? There are people, maybe you have an amazing gift. For helping the needy. Don't quit. Don't quit because it's scary times. The gift he's placed in you must be used. We must serve. Let me close with this. We need to never forget we are servants of Christ. We must be prepared and diligent. Serving with the gifts he's given each of us. Serving others and expanding his kingdom until the day he returns. When it's all over and we stand before the Lord, we will hear these most amazing words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You know that, I can't wait to hear that. And I want to encourage you this morning. That first portion of scripture I read, there was only one who got the rough answer. It was the one who did absolutely nothing. And why I'm saying that's encouraging, because if you are doing anything at all with the gift he gave you, you will not be the one doing nothing. Do you hear me? He didn't look at those first two and said, well, you weren't perfect, so out with you. And each of them did different, didn't they? Each of them had different gifts and did a different level. So I want to encourage you today, church, don't walk out of here discouraged, thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. No way. If you are doing anything at all, With the gift he gave you, he is going to say, well done. Well done. The only way not to hear well done is to do nothing. So church, let's do something. All right, stand with me. I'm going to close in prayer. Yes, God is good. He is so good.